We're going to be in Genesis chapter 35. Again, Genesis chapter 35. We have now um, been going through Genesis. It's been over a year as we've been walking through the book of Genesis. Uh, we believe in expositional preaching. Um, we believe God's word. Every verse uh, is in God's word, uh, points right to God. And so we believe in preaching every verse in the Bible. And so today we're going to be in Genesis chapter 35. And today we're going to be looking at verses 1 through 15. And it says in God's words, starting at verse 1. God said to Jacob, Arise, go up to Bethel and dwell there. Make an altar there to God who appeared to you when you fled from your brother Esau. So Jacob said to his, his household and to all who were with him, put away the foreign gods that are among you and, and purify yourself and change your garments. Then let us arise and go to Bethel mm -hmm. so that I may make there an altar to the God who answered me in the day of distress and has been, been with me wherever I have gone. So they gave to Jacob all the foreign gods that they had and the ring that they that were in their ears. Mm -hmm. Jacob hid them under the Tiberite tree that was near Shechem. Verse 5. And as they journeyed, a terror from God fell upon the cities that were around them, so they did not pursue the sons of Jacob. And Jacob came to Luz, that is Bethel, which is in the land of Canaan. He and all the people who were with him. And there he built an altar and he called the place El Bethel, because there God had revealed himself to him. But when he fled from his brother, and Deborah, Rebekah's nurse, died, and she was buried under an oak below Bethel. So he called his name Alon Bakuth. And God appeared to Jacob again when he came to, from Padamaram and blessed him. And God said to him, Your name is Jacob. No longer shall your name be called Jacob but Israel shall be your name. So he called his name Israel, and God said to him, I am God Almighty. Be fruitful and multiply a nation and a company, and a nation shall come from you, and kings shall come from your own body. The land that I gave to Abraham and Isaac, I will give to you, and I will give the land of, I'm going to give to your offspring after you. Then God went up from him, in the place where he had spoken with him, and the Jacob set up a pillar in the place, place where he had spoken with him. A pillar of stone, he poured out a drink, offering on it, and poured oil on it. So Jacob called the name of the place where God had spoken with him, Bethel. Thank God for his word. Let me pray for us and ask the Lord to help us as we walk through these verses here together this morning. Our Father God that's in heaven, your son, who is our prophet, our priest, our king, and by your spirit, Lord, who proceeds from the Father and the Son, who gives us encouragement every day. Lord, we come to the triune God right now in need of a word. So, Lord, we ask you, Lord, to go before us. Enrich us in your word, Lord. Draw us in your word. Build us up in your word. Lord, your word gives life. Your, your word is full of truth. Let us, Lord, glean upon that truth here this morning. 
blessings at this time. If our minds, Lord, are so scattered about yesterday and tomorrow and later on today, Lord, we ask you, Lord, to bring us back right now to your word and let us see your glory. Let your people, Lord, be drawn to you today. Not me, but to your word. Lord, let your name be exalted. Build your people up right now through your word. Even for myself, Lord, I am weak. I need your strength. I need your help. So, Lord, I ask you to guide me right now. That everything I say is, Lord, is from your word. If it's not from your word, Lord, I ask you to remove it from me at this time. Let me preach nothing but your word here this morning. So, Lord, we ask you, Lord, to bless us. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. I remember as a kid the benefits of being the son of Linda and Curly. I remember so many different vacation trips as a family. I remember getting my first name brand pair of shoes. I remember getting allowances and helping my dad cut grass around this community in Palm Bluff, being able to get paid by my dad. I remember different certain basketball and football practices. My dad would be there and support me to be able to pat me on the back and say, good job, son. I remember my dad put me in Boy Scout. I remember my parents did a lot for me. They gave me special time that they didn't give other kids. Even though my parents loved the kids in the community, did a lot of things in the community, they gave me special attention. And the reason why my parents gave me special attention because I belong to them. And then they loved me, they cared for me, and a lot of times I didn't think I, I didn't think they knew what's best for me, but they did. I think today is very similar to our test today. I think we're going to see the beautiful character of the people of God. The Father in heaven cares for his children. The Father in heaven gives the children what they need. Even when the children doesn't know what they need, he gives them what they need, and sometimes it's tough love. Today we're going to see how God shows up at the right time. I remember one time I was riding my bike and trying to learn how to ride my bike and I fell off and I skipped my knee for the first time. And so all of a sudden my dad came over and it seemed like he had a Superman on the chest. He came over and he picked me back up and put me back on the bike. Where did he come from? A father shows up at the right time. And I think we're going to see that in our test today. How the father is going to show up at the right time to be there for Jacob. And as we know, the father's going to be there for Jacob. The father ways is always consistent. He doesn't change. He's immutable. He doesn't change. He's consistent. If the father was there for his people in the Old Testament, he's there for us in the New Testament. And now we see the character of Jesus in the New Testament, right? He does the same thing his father's called him to do. What, what his father has done is being there for his people. So how are we going to see this today? We're going to do it in four points today. God reminded his people of himself. Point number two, God preserves his people, because, people regardless of their failures in Shechem. Point number three, the relentless nurturing character of God towards his people. And point four, never forget what God did for Jacob. So I'll jump to point number one. God reminded his people of himself. Look at the point the verse 1. God said to Jacob, Arise, go up to Bethel and dwell there. Remember, last week we learned that Jacob stayed near Shechem. Because of the learned journey from Laban and 
running from Esau. Now Jacob and his people are tired and they stopped in Shechem. But Jacob was told in Genesis 28 that the Lord was going to bring him back to Bethel. Jacob, what are you doing in Shechem? Mm -hmm. Well, Jacob did what Jacob wanted to do. <laughs> Jacob was in Shechem, and we learned about what happened last week with Shechem. Jacob dwelled with a people he shouldn't have been around, the Canaanites. We learned about the tragic story of the daughter Dinah, how she was taken advantage of in Genesis 34 by being there and trying to learn from the women there in Shechem. The Jacob family got off track. But how in the world does this happen when God reveals himself in, with Jacob in, in Genesis 32 and 33? When God came to Jacob, when Jacob wrestled with God, and Jacob found out that God was the one who was with him the whole time, but God was showing him how to persevere, and God was building up his faith, but it seemed like Jacob has already forgotten that quick. when people of God forget God's word. What happens? We see in our text, though, is that God comes to his people. God said to Jacob, arise and go to Bethel and dwell there. God, gets, God comes to him and tells him, arise. No matter what you're doing, no matter if your sons are still plundering in Shechem, arise and go. If you notice, too, right here, we're going to learn here, later on in this verse, when God tells him to go build an altar. This is the first instance in all scriptures when God commanded to build an altar. You remember when the flood came, when Noah built the altar? It was Noah showing of a gratitude and thankfulness that God preserved him right from the flood. But now we see that God commands him to build this altar. Because they've forgotten the Lord. They have made this journey to Israel from Labron about their selfish own benefits. They want to learn about what was actually in Shechem. They wasn't worrying about the Lord right here. And we talked about this again with Dinah. But also with Jacob's sons that abused their authority, Levi and Simeon, who slaughtered the people of Shechem. They are to be a light of the gospel, but now they are a stench to the community around them. They're pointing people away from the Lord. They should be pointing people to the Lord. They got on track. Family, that reminds of us, doesn't it? Reminds of us. We should better relate to this when we make our jobs every day about ourselves. We make our jobs about money. We make our jobs and everything about certain selfish games. We make relationship. We make relationship marriages about selfish, selfish game. What about sports? We make sports about ourselves. It's like we get caught into these things, and now we make these things idols. We're to make Jesus known. Our jobs are avenues, right, to make Jesus known, for the world to know Jesus, how we are his disciples. And our marriages, right? Our marriages point to us dying to self point to us showing to the world that we've been changed by Jesus, that we're dying to self daily, that it's not about us, but it's about the Lord. Yeah. Family, I think we can relate to them. I think if we look at our lives right now, this past week, we have made so many things about us and not about God's glory. 
And what does the Lord do? The Lord did here. The Lord, by the Spirit, he reminds us of his calling. And that's exactly what he did with Jacob in the test. He reminds Jacob of himself. The Lord tells Jacob to arise and go to Bethel. And then he goes on and said, make an altar there to the God who appeared to you when you fled from your brother Esau. Make an altar to me. You have forgot about me. Make an altar to me. What is an altar? An altar deals with purity. It deals with praise. It deals with worship. It is someone that was meeting with God in the Old Testament, how God would come down to the altar and meet with his people. It's nothing more important than meeting with God of creation and of the covenants. So what did God do? God commanded Jacob. Jacob was not thinking about the Lord. God commanded him to make an altar and come back to your first love. So when Jacob forgot the Lord, the Lord didn't forget him. And Jacob responded in verses 2 through 4 by getting his people to ready to meet the Lord. He said, remove the idols. We're going to meet the Lord. Remove all the idols. Even the earrings at this time. Possibly the earring has some type of pagan relation. Some even said some of the earrings had certain type of uh, etchings in them that would resemble some type of pagan gods. So they said, get rid of all the idols. Serve only one God. You're about to beat the God of creation. Remove them all. God is holy. This should remind you of Moses. That Moses going to the mountain, right? And God actually, he required pureness for Moses. Family, God does the same thing here. All idols are blasphemed before the Lord. They cannot enter the presence of the Lord. Get rid of these idols. Get rid of these gods. One person is called this removing a pagan god. A ceremony of preparation to enter the holy presence of God. Get rid of your idols. And Jacob should have destroyed these idols, but he said he, he dug them and hid them in the text. But my question is before us, though, is that we might not have earrings with monuments or essays of paganism in it. What idols do we have in our life that we haven't removed? Is it anger, right? To, to show the world that I can get angry at anyone. It can be lust. It can be covetousness. I don't know what's in your life, but what idol they have in you haven't removed and came to the Lord in purity. What happened with Jacob was this. He hid the idols. He didn't destroy them. He didn't smash them. He hid them because he wanted God and coming back to the idols later. So family, what idols are we going back to? It's great that our God reminds of himself when we're not thinking about him. We are to lose track. We, we lose track of him when we get so consumed with things around us. But what did God do? He comes to us. He miraculously points us back to himself. He doesn't leave us to ourselves. He doesn't leave us to our idols. He comes and rescues us. Our God is faithful. We just sung. Our God is truly faithful. He comes to us when we don't go to him. That's how faithful he is. It's the benefit of being in Christ. That he continually reminds us of himself. When we seek the idols of this world, he comes to let us know that your idols cannot compare to me. Your idols are only a temporary happiness. What about temporary happiness? 
They come and go, come and go. God, love, and his happiness is consistent. It doesn't change. So family, if we have idols, let us not buy into those few moments of happiness, but let us buy into a life of eternal happiness that's only found in Jesus and Jesus alone. Amen. So let us find that happiness in Jesus this morning. But God is just a reminder of himself when we seek the things in the world. God also comes to us. He preserves us from things in this world. Look at point number two. God preserves his people regardless of their failure to shake them. And as they journey, verse 5, as they journeyed a terror from God fell upon the cities that were around them so that they did not pursue the son of Jacob. This is the time you think that God should strike them down. They had idols in the camp. You guys remember Rachel, right? I think Jacob knew Rachel had the idol that she was hiding from Laban. God should have struck him down, but what does it tell us right here? God destroys the kingdom around him. Remember that Jacob was afraid last week because of Simeon and Levi. They went in and killed Hamar and Shechem. They killed the whole community. And Jacob cried out, why did you kill them? Now all the people around us are going to kill us. We are so small to, the, to the, all the Ites, right? The Canaanites, the Hivites. We are so small. So Jacob goes into this fear. Sons, why did you do this? Now we're going to be a stitch around the community. Mm -hmm. What happened here? And Jacob even talks about how these people, are gonna, when they find out, they're going to get us. But we find out in verse 5 today, it's the opposite that happened. Jacob is actually cared for. A terror from God fell upon the cities. You can't touch God's people. Well, God is the failures of God's people. God preserves his people. Some of y'all say that ain't fair, is it? That ain't fair. How does God's people get this privilege? Because of God is the one that the author, he's the one that gives out good gifts. He's the one that gives out the grace. He's the one that does it. When you ask yourself the question too, what's the fair thing is that for none of us to get grace? Right. We don't deserve it. We don't deserve grace, but he gives us grace. So how can we be choosing and say, God, this is not fair, this is not fair. Everything we get from God is only by his grace. Mm -hmm. So Jacob comes and here. And the kings all around them might have tried to surround them around them, but God comes down and God let the cities know you cannot touch his people. So the kingdoms around, they're in terror because of what God is doing here. But the kingdom of God, it should be feared by the nations around. They do not to touch the people of God. God protect his people even when they have failed him. And not to say God justified in the way of that what they did and God is overlooking what they did, right? No, they did what's wrong. God didn't overlook what they did, but later God is going to send his son to pay for what they did. So what they did was wrong, the people of Israel when slaughtering the people, but God still preserves them. And family, we can relate to this. We even seen the failures in our own lives, right? And God still protects us. God still loves us in the, midst of our, in the midst of our failures. God is still faithful. He's still kind, even when we wasn't kind to him. So God protects his people. 
It's all over the Old Testament and New Testament. Think about Psalm 34, 7 through 9. Then the angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him, and he delivers them. Taste and see that the Lord is good. good. Blessed is the one who takes refuge in him. Fear the Lord, you his holy people, for those who fear him is lacking nothing. Family, we can taste and see that the Lord is good. He delivers us. 2 Thessalonians 3, 3-5. But the Lord is faithful. He will strengthen you and protect you from the evil one. We have confidence in the Lord that you are doing and will continue to do the thing we, we command. May the Lord direct your heart into God's love and Christ's perseverance. Isaiah 54, 17. No weapon forged against you will prosper. And you will refute every tongue that accuses you. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord. And this is their vindication from me, declared the Lord. Family, the Lord cares for his people. This has been his nature all throughout scriptures. Let me read Psalm 17. 8 through 10, keep me as the people, keep me as the eye of your eye. Oh, sorry. Keep me as the apple of your eye. Mm -hmm. Hide me in the shadows of your wings from the wicked who are out to destroy me. From my mortal enemies who surround me, they close up their collars, hearts, and their mouths speak with arrogance. Amazon of the scriptures. Family, our God doesn't change. He protects, he delivers his people. So I don't know what you're going through today. You might feel like family and friends might turn their back on you. You might feel like coaches or, or co-workers have turned their back on you. Regardless of something that you might have done, it is one that is faithful, that have nailed your sins to the cross, that one would never cast you out, that would keep you forevermore and protect you from all the things around you. And that is our God. You don't believe in looking further in verses 6 through 8. And Jacob came to Luz and Bethel, which is in the land of Canaan. He and all the people were with him. And there he built an altar and called the place El Bethel. Because there God had revealed himself to him when he had fled to his brother, family. How do we know God protected his people? They made it to Bethel. Well, all the nations around them, they made it to Bethel. God protected them. He guided them. He said, Jacob, I will bring you back to this place. And now Jacob is back here in Bethel. God does what he said he was going to do. Even in Genesis 3.15, we know the text was that how the woman is going to crush the head of the serpent. And, and the serpent is going to bruise the heel of the woman. Going to crush the head of the serpent. Who's going to crush the head of the serpent? It's going to be Christ on the cross. He crushed the head of the serpent. God does what he said he's going to do. We can trust him, family. Even when we don't understand, he is faithful. We can trust him. Again, our test revealed to us that God is faithful. That we can trust no matter what. One of my favorite prayers for my kids is, is Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd. A lot of times we skip over that. He is truly a shepherd. He protects his flock. Family, we are in Christ. We are part of the flock. He protects us. It's no wolf, nothing that can truly harm us. God even used a wolf to turn around to make us even stronger. So God brings us safely to home. When I say safely, and you guys might feel like, well, 
Chris now fell and hurt my knee yesterday. I thought I was gonna be safe. I'm not referring to like in the sense of this earthly, eternal, earthly uh, realm here. I'm talking about the eternal heaven with God forevermore when he gives our new bodies, right? When he gives our new bodies in heaven forevermore, he's going to take us to heaven one day. These old bodies are fleeting. When he says he's going to bring us safely, is that he's going to take us to heaven one day. He's going to build our faith here on earth. Then he's going to eventually take us to glory with him. Point three we see here. Now we're going to see the, the relentless nurturing character of God towards his people as well. But as we learn about how God has blessed his people unconditionally, we see now two aspects in 9 13. The first aspect we see here in verses 9 and 10, how God appeared to Jacob and gives him a new name. Mm -hmm. God appeared to Jacob again when he came from Padamaram. He blessed him, and God said to him, Your name is Jacob. No longer shall your name be called Jacob, but Israel shall your name be called. You might ask yourself the question like, I thought God already gave him a name, Jacob, in a couple of chapters ago. I think in Genesis 33 and 32, when he wrestled with God, and God told him your name is going to be Israel. Why is he telling him again that your name shall be Israel and Bethel? Well, he tells him again because Jacob is forgetful. This Bethel was renewing everything. Bethel was like, he's starting back over again. Jacob has made a mess of everything. Jacob, you have wrestled me and prevailed. Jacob, you have trusted me over Esau now. You have done the great things. But now, Jacob, you have forgotten me. You have took your children. You have took your family to a pagan land. You have pretty much solicited your old family out. Jacob, come back to me and repent. And so Jacob comes to now to, uh, to, uh, to, to Bethel. Now he comes to Bethel for Jacob now to be reminded of what God has told him to. Jacob, remember. Remember your no name is, uh, is Israel, not Jacob. Jacob means deceiver. But your new name is now is Israel. It's like God, it, it means like God wrestles or he prevails. He prevails. He perseveres. God perseveres. That's what it means. It's to, to let Jacob know that trials are going to come in life. But Jacob, you persevered over God when you wrestled with him. You can persevere in this world because God will never leave you. To never forget your name, Jacob, that you will persevere. And guess what? The word Israel is used. Over 2,566 times in the King James Version. Wow. This name Israel is everywhere. And a lot of times we just see the name Israel and just keep going. But the name, every time we see the name Israel, we should think about that God does what he said he's going to do. God is going to allow his people to persevere through all situations. Amen. And you're going to hear about Israel when they go through the book of Numbers. When, when they go through the wilderness. And all these different things are going to come at them. But God's going to bring them through. But God, that they're mumbling and murmuring and all these things that happen, God brings them through. Even in, in, when they go through it and defeat the, the Canaanites and the Jebusites, God's going to persevere with them. So you're going to see Israel all throughout the Old Testament now, even when they go to Babylon, when they go to, 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 to Syria, when they go to uh, Medo-Persia, when they go to these places, God, people persevere because their name is Israel. No matter how powerful a kingdom is, 
God's going to preserve and his people are going to be cared for. So family, we can trust that our God will bring us through. He does the same thing with Israel, right? The Israel throughout the Old Testament, he shows us already that Israel is the type, right? Israel is the type. Israel points to this glorious people of God. So think about the name that we have as Christians. If Jacob was given the name Israel, think about the names we have, Gamaliel. We see places that we are called beloved, right? We are called blessed. We're called born again, children of God, anointed, disciples, Christians, elect of God, faithful, followers of Jesus, heirs of the promise, the, the Israel of God in Galatians 6, right? Justified, we've learned about this, in, and also in Galatians and also in Romans. We're called overcomers. We're called, we are partakers of Christ, prisoners of Christ, reconciled to Christ. We are sanctified. We are, we are servants of God. Family, think about the names we are in Christ. We have names as well that we cherish. He has given us a name, not just for a name, for key phrases, hit phrases, for us to be able to hold on to to the times of heart that we are truly redeemed. We are regenerate. We are these things. When the world tells us otherwise, tells us other things, we know that God has told us who we truly are. We are saved. Yeah. We are the temple of God. We are the witnesses of God. Family, may these names be reminders of us that we don't have to fear tomorrow or no person, family. We are regenerated in Christ. And for all those in Christ, who can separate us from him? No one that tells us in Romans 8. No one can separate us from him. So family, we must cherish his name that God gives us. And the second aspect we see in verses 11 through 13, that God gives him a blessing. We have these names that we get in God, but now we also get blessings in God. And God said to him in verse 11, I am God.